it's getting a bit spooky this week on The Cinema Crew with Village Cinemas. You'll float too with It Chapter 2. We made an oath. I swear, if it isn't dead, if it ever comes back, we'll come back too. We didn't stop it. Pennyworth, you lied. And a movie based on an actual lie in The Farewell. When that is dying. It's better not to tell her. Isn't it wrong to lie? That's this week on The Cinema Group. Hello and welcome to The Cinema Crew, the podcast that talks new movies every week. My name is Michael Campbell, but you can call me Cambo. And joining me as always is Vary McIntyre. Hello. And Maddie Varko. Hey. Now your chance to win a gold class double pass coming up just a little later on. But first. For 27 years, I dreamt of you. I craved you. I missed you. Hollywood loves two things, remakes and adapting Stephen King books into movies. I'm not kidding. He's had at least 78 films made from his works. Well, it will come as no surprise that the last year's It remake was a huge hit, but the book is famously long and they've split it into two films and with an all-star cast on board, It Chapter 2 seems like a sure thing. But is there enough spook left in Pennywise the Dancing Clown? Is that even a question? Clowns are inherently scary. So, yes, I was very spooked with this one. So it's set 27 years later from the first It and the Losers Club have all grown up and they've moved away, but a phone call brings them all back and they have to kill Pennywise again, face him again as adults. So I thought this was just as spooky and creepy as the first one. Sequels don't often live up to the original movie, but this one really did it for me. This one was like really creepy and spooky and there was a good mix between bringing it back from the first movie because even if you haven't seen it or perhaps it was so long ago, I don't remember what happened in it. It was a year ago. (laughs) 2017 I think it came out. That's ages. Yeah, Yeah, so I don't remember what happened. (laughs) So there's enough flashbacks and information about what happened from the first one and when the Losers Club were kids and bringing that into the future. You know, one of my favorite facts about this It remake mm. is in the book and in the stories, it's always that It reappears 27 years, like every 27 years. And this remake came exactly 27 years after the original Ooh. TV movie came out. And yeah. I don't know whether it was <laughs> intentional or not, but it's a good touch. Like it's a nice thing to be like, oh, no, he's back. It's been 27 yeah, years. <laughs> uh, I think you're right. I think this is better than the original. People have a lot of nostalgia for the original, but it's not that 
good. <laughs> <laughs> because it's, you know, it's a TV movie from the 90s. There's only so much money they were really going to put into it and there's only, only so much Seth Green you can really put up with at any given time. It's a little bit kind of on the nose. But this new one is like with the actual attention and budget behind it is exactly what the book like it kind of needs. And I think it's way better than the original ever was. Yeah, um, I'm going to be a bit of a downer. Okay. I love it and I love Pennywise, but I actually found this pretty bloated and a bit. Really? Eh. Yeah. I, um, I've read the book. I read the book ages ago, so it's hard to exactly be like, it's exactly like the books. It's hard to remember because it's literally like Bible length. Like yeah. it's ridiculous. <laughs> but my main issue with it was probably the fact that they, I feel like they underused Bill Skarsgård as Pennywise. Oh. I think he's brilliant. He is. But they just decided to put all these CGI monsters in it instead of him. Mm. And I found that really frustrating as someone that thinks he's a really good actor. Yeah. And like he does a really good job as Pennywise, but I think they underuse that a lot in this one. His Pennywise is so instantly upsetting. It's terrifying. It comes on the screen. Your day is ruined. Yeah. And yeah, so I guess that's a shame that like they have this asset because all the marketing is Pennywise, 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 because everyone, it has such a visceral reaction for everyone. And it's kind of a shame that they've like underused it in that way and kind of, yeah, swapped it out for CGI things. Mm. Maybe. There was some more information about his past, which I liked. You didn't get much about what he was, who he was from the first movie. And so it was more about what and who he is in this movie. So there was a little bit more background of where he came from and all that. So I, I thought there was more of him in there than the first one. Maybe about him, not yeah. the actor. Right, but not yeah. the performance but itself. Yeah. yeah, maybe you also felt like it was bloated because it's so long. It is yeah. extremely long. Again, it's like a it. two hours 40 again mm-hmm. or something. One of these huge <laughs> movies. And that makes it the longest running horror movie ever. Really? By the way, yeah. Oh, wow. So the two movies combined as well are like five and a half hours or something mm. in total. If yeah, that's not back even back. all of the book. <laughs> that's how crazy that yeah, book is. Yeah, the book is humongous. <laughs> Swear it. I swear, if it isn't dead, if it ever comes back, we'll come back to you. I think they've done a really good job at, because the book, you know, it was written when Stephen King was addicted to cocaine and it's got some things in it that are pretty out there and weird. And it does a pretty good job of taking the bits of it that really work and leaving out the weird space turtley bits of the mm. book that kind of go a bit in the deep end, you know. Um, but one thing that they really, really get right, I think, in these films is casting. So the yes. kids obviously were the, they stole the show in the first one, but even their adult counterparts, all of them are so well cast to be the grown-up version. Mm, yeah. Like Jessica Chastain as the grown-up Beverly Marsh. Perfect. Like I couldn't think of an actress more suited to be Beverly Marsh. So I think that that's where they were also really like you said Pennywise perfectly cast, everyone in the film perfectly cast. Yeah. But also a shout out to the person who tends to steal most movies he's in, which is Bill Hader. Yeah. yeah. He was my favourite part of it, honestly. I think because Richie's like one of my favourite fictional characters ever. Like I think he's great. And um, he was just perfect. I thought he was like one of the best parts of the film by far. I like how they added in some more bits as well from the first film. So when we get flashbacks of the kids, it's not just a rehash of the first one. They've actually got the kids to come back and film new scenes so you get more information about them as well. So it's these, like, these two parallel storylines. 
But because the kids, and as kids do grow up so quickly, they had to de-age yeah, them. Oh, did they really? They yeah. a bit air, yeah. Isn't that <laughs> I didn't notice that, two years, they're like, oh, you look completely yeah, different. Yeah, it's the same, yeah. I think him and James Ranson, he plays the older Eddie. They were great. Their chemistry, because there's a whole, I don't want to spoil it if no one's read the book or anything, but they have this kind of relationship that's really special and I think they really made that flourish in this film, which also was a really positive for me because I think that's a really important part of the book. And they made sure to make sure that that was like captured in this film, which I thought was really good. Yeah, the interesting thing about it, both movies, that it's a classic horror based on one of these 80s horror, which is basically just blood and gore and trying to creep people out. (laughs) But then at the same time, it's this like really sweet, like love story to like 80s nostalgia of like kids on bikes going through like wholesome little village towns and this friendship that they've got. So it's like a traditional horror movie but also this like cute, nice friendship story. Yeah. And that's also kind of, I guess, there's Stephen King seeping in as well. I mean, one, it's set in Maine, which every Stephen King seems to be <laughs> set in Maine. But his whole thing is like the beauty of the everyday and, you mm. know, and even the, the Shining and movies like that uh, and books that he's written, yeah, they're horrors, but they've also got this element of like actual people going through these like weird, mundane, everyday things and like the extraordinary and the mundane kind of combining. That's his whole, I guess, shtick. <laughs> but it tends to work really well in things like horror because you actually do connect to the characters a lot more yes. than you do in, you know, some, especially in the 80s when there were kind of hack and slash horrors that you didn't really care if the person died or not. You just wanted to see in mm. more creative way they would die. So it's nice to actually care about characters yeah, and not want them to it's die. refreshing. So, Maddie, I know that you're a, a bit of a horror aficionado. Yes. Uh did you think, this is the important question when it comes to it, mm. did you think it was scary? Mainly no. <laughs> yeah, see, <laughs> big Unfortunately, silence. one part of it really got me, and I think people will know, it's, I think it's in the trailer, but it includes mirrors. Right. Mm. That part really, yeah, I don't want to spoil it, obviously, but that, was re- that got me. I was like, oh, my God. But every other thing was just this big CGI thing, and I was just like, oh, I'm not feeling this. I think it's a term that we've used a few times on this show. love practical horror. Which is mm. um, popcorn horror. Which yeah. like it's just scary enough for the average person to be like, oh, that was a bit spooky, but it's not so scary that it'll put anyone off actually going to see it as well. It's not hereditary. No, yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's not going to ruin your day. You know? yeah, it's going to make you depressed. Like I saw Midsummer and I had to take a week off work and like, <laughs> yeah. really, really think about my life. Whereas it, you'd come out and you know half an hour later you're 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 laughing and whatever. But I think it's that real middle ground of like it's more of a good movie than it is a scary movie. Yeah, and I think that these popcorn horrors tend to be like, I think the Halloween remake was a little bit like that as well. Yeah. It's more of a good film than it was a scary film. So who do you think should see this film? Anyone who's a fan of these traditional horrors like The Howling or The Thing, those sorts of creepy ones, but wants also to connect with the characters and have a really heartfelt time. Stephen King fans. And also if you honestly just want to sit down and have a good time for almost three hours with some popcorn, it's pretty easy to watch. Get a big old Coke. Get yeah. The <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Also, still in cinemas, The Kitchen. Three housewives become mobsters. Dragged across concrete. A violent crime drama. And The Nightingale. A bloody revenge tale in colonial Tasmania. Yes, you can hear about all of those movies and everything that's in cinemas right now in our back catalogue, which you can access from whichever podcast app you'd like. My name is dying. It's better not to tell her. Isn't that wrong to lie? Souls Souls <laughs> I want to believe that it was a good thing. 
Farewell holds a special place in our hearts because it was born from a podcast. There was an episode of This American Life that was so interesting with a tale so sweet, funny, and bizarre that it's now made the leap to live action. And with the audience award from Sundance under its wing and an impressive 99% on Rotten Tomatoes, do you think it lives up to the hype? Yes. I loved The Farewell. It's probably my favourite film of the year so far. Mm. I had the privilege of seeing it at the closing gala at Myth, uh, which was really special because Lulu Wang was there. Yeah, and the I got director. to give her a little oh, wave and wow. she's so cute and sweet in real life and, yeah, I love her. <laughs> she's so great. I just love this film. Yeah, I, look, lot. I'm not going to bury the lead. I loved it too. Yeah. And uh, now I talk about A24 a lot as a production company that I really love and pretty much everything they put out is kind of weird and unique and interesting. And this yeah. is an A24 film kind of through and through. It's slightly off kilter and it's slightly weird, but it's such a sweet, endearing movie. Uh, do you want to explain, explain to us a little bit about what it is? It's actually based on Lulu Wang's life, kind of. She, Aquafina is playing a character that is almost her, uh, but they tell her that her grandma is dying of cancer. But in Chinese culture, you're not actually supposed to tell someone when they are dying. You're supposed to just act like it's not happening and it's about um, Aquafina's character, She, her trying to, like, figure out why they're doing this because she's lived in America for a long time and she moves back to China and she's going to a family. I don't understand why we can't just tell her. And it's just about that kind of internal battle she's having with herself. Yeah, it's like that culture clash where yeah. she's been raised in America but these Chinese traditions that her family are upholding, she doesn't know whether she agrees with them or not. She's kind of torn between these, yeah, these two is. nations that she grew up in and is it right to not tell her, is it? Is it right to let her live in peace until you know she ultimately dies? It's it's such a bizarre setup for a film, but it's such a life affirming film, <laughs> which is such a it's an odd thing to think that a movie all about whether or not you tell someone that they're dying can be quite life positive. But it really is. It is. It is. It's and I feel like I don't know about you, but I was crying and then I'd be laughing and yes. then I'd be crying and then I'd be laugh crying. And you're like, oh, my goodness, yeah, there's just so much happiness and sadness in this film. It's ridiculous. I loved it, yeah. Now, I remember in the episode that we talked about Crazy Rich Asians, um, some people since then have given me a little bit of flack because I didn't really like that movie all that much. But the one thing I did remember highlighting was Aquafina. I remember saying she was the standout. Yeah, you love her. And the same with Ocean's 8. I said, yeah, she's the standout. So it's so good to see her in the main role. And again, yeah. great. Like such a very natural, like kind of aura about it. Never seems like she's trying super hard, but also probably the most subdued I've seen her in, in any film. Yeah, She's normally quite like, she's like a crazy side character in a lot of things, but she's actually just a great dramatic actress in this. It's nice to see her get a dramatic role where she can kind of just shine and be like, you know, I'm actually a serious actor as well. Yeah. yeah there are a lot of actors that I like better as serious drama actors than they are as comedians. Melissa McCarthy as well when we were uh, reviewing The Kitchen. I rather like her in more dramatic roles. And Aquafina does the same sort of thing. I saw an interview with Aquafina saying that she was a bit scared to take on this role because she wasn't sure that she was going to be able to do it. But she was saying that the other actors on set as well, with their emotions, she would just bounce off them and they were crying in a scene, so she would cry and because she was crying, they were crying, and it was just, as she quoted, an empathy orgy. <laughs> so everybody was just feeling all these emotions, and it is. It looks really realistic that comes across. I think the colour palette was just beautiful oh, as yeah. well. Like the, um, I've got a picture here on my laptop. It's like blue, purple, pinkies. It's just so <laughs> beautiful. I think that also helps with the nightlife of China because of all the beautiful neon yeah. signs and stuff. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, she was really cool to see in person. I'm going to keep flexing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I think for a first feature, like she's just knocked it. And probably worth pointing out for those that don't know anything about the film, there is a, a large portion of it in Chinese and some of it in America. Probably a sixty forty split in favor of Chinese. I would say. Yeah, I think so. so. It's something to keep in mind, just in case subtitles aren't your thing. But it's so worth it. Like it definitely, you is. should never let yeah. anything like that put you off because it's such a beautiful little film. So who do you think should see this film? I think if you love A24 and if you're into independent cinema, you'd love this one. So This one's like one of these feel-good, sad movies. kind of reminded me of This Is Where I Leave You with Adam Driver from 2014. Um, just really cute family drama sort of story. Now, for your chance to win a Gold Class Double Pass, simply head to the Village Cinema's Facebook or Instagram page, look for the post with the Cinema Crew hashtag and answer the question... What is your favourite Stephen King movie? Oh, that is going to start some fights in the comment, let me tell you. Yes, yeah, simply leave your comment with hashtag the cinema crew for your chance to win. Next week, a sequel to a movie that is based on an app. That's the most 2019 thing I've ever said. We're talking about Angry Birds 2. And get out the good china because we're talking Downton Abbey. Until next time, thank you, Vari. Thank you. Thank you, Maddie. No problem. My name is Cambo and this is The Cinema Crew with Village Cinemas.